Lo, the winter's past, the rain is over and gone, the flowers appear on the earth, the time of the singing of birds is come, and the voice of the turtle is heard in our land. Good morning, and welcome to episode 417 of Effectively Wild, the daily podcast from Baseball Prospectus, presented by the BaseballReference.com Play Index. I am Ben Lindbergh, joined as always by Sam Miller, and we are we are off script. We're we're free to be effectively wild again. I don't mm-hmm. even know what we're talking about today. This mm-hmm. is exciting and scary. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> were you tempted to uh, to 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 go back to that old crutch, the email, and and answer that that one guy's email that we got? <laughs> yes, we did get an email that <laughs> just asked us to uh, <laughs> just ask us what we thought would happen this season. Just yeah. you know, generally, what will happen. How do you- how do you see 2014 MLB season playing out? <laughs> Thanks. Yes. Uh, Thanks. I, yes. I assume. Good question. Um, but yeah. we, I don't think we have time to fully address that today. Uh, mm. Follow along with us throughout the season, and we will we'll talk about what we see from day to day. Mm-hmm. Did you watch baseball tonight? Watched a little baseball. I didn't watch all of it. I DVR'd it and might go back to it, but now I know what happens and everything. So I kind of, I'm kind of against the opening night game. Why is that? I like. I'm okay with the the opening series abroad because you know it's good for baseball to try to expand its audience, and it's sort of weird to have games you know over a week before the actual season starts but it's sort of a necessary evil and you got to give the players time to adjust fine that's okay i kind of like just the the onslaught of baseball on opening day without the little lead-in on sunday night Mm -hmm. i don't want the taste it's like it's like people who exchange gifts on christmas eve they're all (laughs) they're all monsters i i think that um to me the first game of the day is the best game you know like any if you have if you have a one game of of baseball in a day you you've had a pretty good a pretty good day and two games is better and you know 15 is best uh, but one is one gets you most of the way there and so to me having any other day of the year that has a baseball game is pretty good uh-huh. i yeah. i will say this that i i really like the i don't care about the health of the sport at all so like whether it's good for baseball to go abroad does not matter to me one bit uh <laughs> okay. but you you're you depend on baseball it's your career yeah, it's not it's not going anywhere though <laughs> I, I, like i don't really i don't really care if there's an australian league in 45 years <laughs> <laughs> you know like how does that affect me mm-hmm. um but i really like the I actually do really like, and I think it's an accident that I like this, but I really like the series a week in advance. I know a lot of people hate it. I think a lot of people hate it because it sort of seems like poorly thought out and weird and like, like kind of like bumbling, fumbling, Bud Seeley doing some weirdo (laughs) thing again, you know, like can't, can't get his act together. Like it it fits this narrative of Bud Seeley is just being like, kind of, I don't know, like not thinking that one all the way through, but I actually think that. Um, it's brilliant because, you know, most of the, most of the time that baseball does things new to build their audience, they're at the expense of hardcore fans like you and I, and Mm. we sort of, uh, you know, we grind our teeth because we know that, um, you know, there's nothing, we have no leverage because we're coming back no matter what. And so they, they just get to basically ignore what we want, um, and, you know, cater to the, uh, to the broader audience that they're, that they're going for. And, And I feel like sort of accidentally, this is the opposite. This has 
like no interest whatsoever to the general fan in the <laughs> United States. Like people like literally don't know those games happened. And <laughs> right. it's yeah. super duper weird that baseball would open in games at 1 a.m. my time, 4 a.m. your time that mm-hmm. nobody knows are happening. Yeah. And yet when we're on when when we're up at 1 a.m. and 4 a.m. As we were. And, as we were, and there's like 37 people watching it, <laughs> and you get this baseball game that is a total bonus game. Like you were not mentally, like your countdown was to to to, to tomorrow. Like mm-hmm. this thing just popped out of nowhere and gave you a big hug. And so to me, that is like a total gift for the hardcore fan. Uh, it made my week last week. It made the last week a lot easier. And uh, so I, I know that Seelig was not trying to give me this wonderful experience at 1 a.m., but but he has, and mm-hmm. and I like it. I liked it when they were in Japan, and and we got to see Cespedes a week before our yeah. our, our dads and uncles did. <laughs> yeah, I'm okay with it. So yeah. in this this first game, uh, what happened to Blue Cross of California? They blew the yeah. game. <laughs> They're never yeah. going to get a nickname at this rate. <laughs> not at this rate. Uh, but. Uh, yeah, you're right. It's Blue Shield. Blue Shield. Oh, Blue Shield, right. Yes. Blue okay. Shield. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, I know. It was, uh, I, I, I kind of felt going into this season that um, the, that the Dodgers, uh, as good as their rotation is and as good as their lineup is, their bullpen is really where you look at them and you're just like, you, you cannot. You, like, you have way too much money. You're, you're by, like my, I, my father-in-law, for instance, um, and, and he has a basement full of like uh, fine scotch mm-hmm. and various, uh, you know, various cognacs. And he is diabetic and can't have alcohol at all. Like he doesn't mm-hmm. drink at all. He just, you know, he like he he needs to buy something, you know, like he <laughs> wants to buy something. So he started like buying nice bottles of liquor. That he can't drink in a million years, like he would immediately die if he drank one of those. And I feel like that's the Dodgers' bullpen. <laughs> yeah, a basement full of alcohol that you can't even use. Um, so anyway, yeah, it's, I don't know. Brian, I didn't see the game. I listened to the game, mm. and oh, so that's I your heard your preferred it. method of consuming a game. It is my preferred method, but it's also I don't have any choice when there's a national telecast mm-hmm. uh, on a Sunday night. So I didn't get to see Brian Wilson, but um, yeah, I could sort of. I mean, having watched him in Australia, not knowing whether the radar gun was accurate, having watched him in Australia, uh, I could see him being like off the team by by the end of May. It wouldn't shock me if he had nothing. <laughs> it wouldn't yeah. shock me if he was really super good in his closing, you know, games in two years for some team but wouldn't Mm. shock me it would shock me if the bullpen doesn't get a nickname Mm -hmm. um did you uh did you read what scott boris said about bryce harper nope (laughs) i was wondering if you can interpret this this quote for me as a scholar of mike trout and all mike trout matters uh boris i guess was i don't know whether he was asked about trout's extension or he chose to comment on it um but uh he was he was talking about whether it would influence uh, what Bryce Harper would do and whether he would be willing to consider an extension. So Boris said, I have the pleasure and privilege of watching Mike Trout play every night. I think he's a very special cup of tea for which he is deserving of a completely different brew. While few, (laughs) I definitely consider Bryce Harper as part of the next generation of elite brand of teas. (laughs) Certainly as a studied connoisseur, I may hold a differing opinion as to the availability, demand, and value of tea futures. 
first of all, that's not Scott Boris. That's Jeff Sullivan. <laughs> it sounds like Jeff Sullivan, but yeah. Second, secondly, is he saying that he is a connoisseur of fine teas, or was he still? It's hard to know where the metaphor, like yeah. if there was any any accuracy in that metaphor. <laughs> I'm not sure whether any of it really pertains to to tea. Um, I tried to make I tried to make Scott Boris metaphor a a meme and it failed like a Twitter a Twitter thing and it failed. Uh huh. Well, this is a good one. <laughs> that is a good one. Mm. Uh, so what did you want me to say? Uh, I, well, I don't know. I wanted you to interpret what it means. I don't know what it means. I guess it means that Bryce Harper is not going to sign an extension. Uh, yeah, it sounds <laughs> like he thinks that. Uh, let's see. I'm reading this again. I have the pleasure and privilege of watching Mike Trout play every night. I think he's a very special cup of tea for which he is deserving of a completely different brew. While few, I I definitely, I think he's saying while there are few elite brand of teas, Uh elite brand of teas, while few, I definitely consider Bryce Harper as part of the next generation of elite brand of teas. <laughs> there's, there's an S missing from brand, I think. Uh, certainly as a studied connoisseur, I may hold a differing opinion as to the availability, demand, and future of a uh, value of tea, tea futures. So uh, what kind of tea is Mike Trout then? So I think, I think that what he's saying is that he has a different opinion than Mike Trout's agent about the uh, rarity of such teas, <laughs> and uh, that I think he might, I, I'm not sure he's saying this, he might be saying that he is a connoisseur, a studied connoisseur, and that maybe Craig Landis, Mike Trout's agent, is not, that perhaps Boris is saying hmm. that he so you is. you think there's, there's shots here? I'm not saying that for sure, but it could be, because uh, he's saying, he's, he's identifying himself as a studied connoisseur, uh-huh. and then saying, immediately saying, because of that, he has a different opinion as to the availability of tea. Mm-hmm. And so, therefore, you might you might think that he's saying that, that a, a non-studied, non-connoisseur uh, got this one wrong. Mm. But, yeah, it doesn't sound like... I mean, you even if Boris weren't Bryce Harper's agent, like, this does not seem like the sort of deal that Harper would... Like, Do Harper you- feels like the sort of guy who, like, desperately wants to go year to year. Do you think uh do you think that if Boris were Mike Trout's agent that he would have signed any extension an extension with these precise terms? Do you think that he would have convinced Trout to care more about the money? Well, Ben, we can't say. We don't know that. <laughs> it's 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 ridiculous to to speculate on such a thing. I just a Boris metaphor. Had, well, <laughs> Boris has uh, had plenty of clients uh seeping uh, in in hot water and then and then been removed uh, to be even. put on a uh, s- steeping yes. yes oh gosh that's <laughs> embarrassing yeah anyway yeah. Boris has had plenty of clients sign extensions so I, I wouldn't rule out that that he could have signed an extension mm. he's had a bunch of clients sign extensions yeah um, but yeah I don't know I, I don't know that I, I it's I mean what you're asking me to say that Craig Landis what like. Fail, like failed to adequately convey to Mike Trout his true value? Uh, I don't know. I mean, I don't have any problem with Mike Trout accepting any kind of contract he wants to. I guess if I were a players' union executive or maybe some other player who 
stood to make more if Mike Trout got a bigger deal. Like, I don't know, maybe I'd be a little annoyed or something, but it, I mean, I can't really fault anyone for, for taking the security, even if he probably probably cost himself some money in the long term. I mean, he's still, he's still a many millionaire and will be a many more millionaire when he hits free agency at age 28 if he wants to. Um, so, yeah, I, uh, I notice, I noticed in your, sorry, I noticed in your transaction analysis that you mentioned the security thing too. And, uh, many people have mentioned the security thing mm-hmm. and I think that the security is, um, I don't know. I don't, I feel like if, if, if there was anything oh. to tell Mike Trout as his agent, mm-hmm. it's that, uh, he needs to stop thinking about security. He, he is secure. He was already secure. Like I'm, I'm right. I, I also have no issue with him signing this. I, I, I feel like, uh, you know, as as I wrote about a couple weeks ago, when it was clear that this move was happening, Trout seems like like it is part of Trout's persona to me to take less than he's worth, to basically not make drama out of things, and and not necessarily he, to be. He basically had a quote where he was like, "The owner put thirty three million out there, and that's a big number." Gee, like <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Gee Willigers, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Uh, and like this goes back to when he signed, um, you know, as a draft pick, um, he signed for slot, even though it, it seemed that there were he was getting messages that he could definitely hold out for more. And uh, the Angels, when they drafted him, were sort of nervous that he wasn't going to hold to his his promise to sign for slot. And he's just like, oh, yeah, absolutely. And he signed for slot like 40 minutes later. Um, like he just I, I feel like I don't know if this is part of his personality or if this is just part of the. The character that he likes to uh, to portray to us, but he's just not a guy who who wants to be seen grinding to get every last you know inch that the world owes him. And for that reason, I feel like people love him and will love him for a lot longer than we would otherwise love a guy um, of his talent and uh, youth and compensation. I mean, I, I tweeted this um, a couple nights ago, but as soon as he gets paid what he's worth, half of the world will hate him. Mm-hmm. And I don't think he wants to be hated, I, and I don't think it's good for him to be hated. I, I, the security, in a way, is that he just bought six years of being beloved, and um, that's you know that's pretty rare. I mean, very few people make it to the end of their career uh, in one piece, and uh, you know this is a pretty good way for him to to get there, and you know he will get paid. But as for the security, the security of being you know fabulously wealthy, I I really I just think he was there already. I mean, there was virtually no way. Uh, the the only thing that keeps him from getting, you know, twelve to fifteen million or so as as an arbitration guy next year, is an injury that actually ends his career right. immediately. Like mm-hmm. if he's ju- like if he breaks if he if, you know there is no injury that he re- um, rehabs from that keeps him from setting arbitration records next year. And um, so you know he he was definitely gonna get paid that like. He, the arbitration was, he was so close, he was too close to arbitration to start having to worry about, um, you know, not being rich. And, mm-hmm. you know, there have been, I don't know if you can still do this, but there have been guys who have taken out insurance policies on themselves. Boris clients, in fact, Boris, uh, Boris's first client. Uh, Scherzer apparently has one. Does he? So I read, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so yeah, but when I wrote about Boris's first client for, for you a couple years ago, uh, uh, he he had an insurance policy taken out so um you know there are definitely ways for that he could have secured his riches forever um and so i don't i I mean you know the first million is the most important and and they get less important after that and and i i just it's really hard for me to envision 
almost any scenario that's got a greater than, say, one in a thousand chance that doesn't see him making at least 40 or $50 million in his career. And yeah. if he really wanted the security, you know what he could have done is he could have just, um, you know, he, he could have probably negotiated just his arbitration years with the Angels and taken, you know, maybe a $10 million discount instead of what looks to me to be like probably like a $60 million discount. From what I, I read something about six was the minimum that the Angels wanted seven or eight. And yes, they wanted seven or eight, but six you know. was the the minimum they would talk about. I don't know whether that's actually the case if he had offered a big enough discount. Yeah, well, I mean that's there. That's I I assume that by the time that quote got out, they were already talking. I mean they had they were they were they were already discussing things. I mean the the the, the terms had already kind of been agreed upon and now they're just negotiating negotiating around the edges if Tr- if trout had gone in and said you know you're not getting one year of free agency out of me let's now let's talk about saving you some money in my arbitration years you know that's a different discussion and i'm sure they would have gone forward with that mm. did you bring a topic today it feels yeah. so good feels so good to banter again i could banter all day i have a topic but not one that i'm i'm sure we can speak for more than six minutes about so okay. <laughs> i'm glad you stalled <laughs> okay i'm glad you had so little faith in me <laughs> <laughs> i've got <laughs> more banter but we can do what you're what you intended well, to do so chris singleton mentioned uh on the radio broadcast tonight that um you know it it, it most people aren't even really aware that hanley ramirez is a free agent at the end of the year mm. and he was so good for the dodgers last year i mean on a on a Per game basis, his, the hundred or so games or eighty or whatever games he played, he was as good as Trout last year. He was better than anybody else in baseball besides Trout. And um, you know, he's a he's in a he's a shortstop who's got a history of being an elite ball player. Um, you know, an MVP runner-up. What is he? Thirty. So he's not. You know, he's not that old. And he's going to be a you know he's going to be a free agent shortstop in six months. And it is it, quote unquote it is, shortstop. Uh, okay. Uh, sure. Fine. Yeah. Quote unquote short stuff. Uh, he, uh, so, but anyway, the point is, uh, that he hasn't signed an extension. You haven't heard discussions about an extension. Uh, it's not like there was some spring training talk and then like the discussions caved in or anything like that. It's I heard, just, I heard uh, he did say, I think, uh, he made some comment about wanting to be a Dodger for life. Um, uh-huh. and there was like, I think there was maybe some extremely preliminary something or someone said, you know, we'd be open to talking about it, that kind of thing. I don't think it it got serious or at least it wasn't reported that it did. 75 of his 83 starts last year were at shortstop and he was a plus three defender by defensive run saved. Hmm. Hmm. Mm -hmm. Just saying. No. Can we just agree to say quote unquote quote unquote shortstop? (laughs) Let's put the quotes in quotes. All right. All right. Uh, So uh, anyway, uh, I guess the so the the question is, uh, why do you think um, his impending free agency isn't a bigger deal? And do you think that he is in line to get something, you know, crazy and Cano like? Or is he just going to be... uh, damaged goods for a few more years because of the 2011 and 2012 seasons? Uh, I think maybe it's not a bigger deal because it's the Dodgers, and I kind of figure that if they want to keep him, him. they'll just keep him, even if if they have to outbid every other team to do it. Um, Mm -hmm. And maybe maybe with him it makes sense not to to do it now. Maybe you want to see 
what happens this season. If you know that you can be the highest bidder if you need to be, um, I don't know whether, I mean, would a, if he has a full healthy season but plays just, you know, pretty well, not at the crazy MVP pace he played at last season, does that really increase his price or decrease his price? I don't know. He proves that he's healthy and could stay on the field for a full year, but probably if he does that, he's not going to hit 345, 402, and slug 640 again. Um, and maybe, I don't know, with the shoulder issues that he's had in the past and other health problems, maybe you just kind of wait and see how he does. And uh, I don't know if the if the Dodgers, well, I was going to say they could just sign someone else, but there are pretty few, there are really no other free agents position players of that caliber available next winter. I think it's looking like one of the weakest position player classes of the last several years, as I wrote recently. So if he does have a full healthy season and he makes it and he sticks at shortstop all year and looks okay, then he could, he could get a giant contract. I think just, what, just because of talent scarcity. Yeah. What would he have gotten if he were a free agent this year? Uh, well, um, he would have been a qualifying offer guy, but, uh, he would have been clearly the best at that position on the market. And, uh, I don't know. I'm trying to think of the, the comparables. I mean, with what Peralta got, um, I don't know. I would say he'd, he'd have gotten, uh, more or less than, more or less than Shinsu. <laughs> That's exactly what I was just thinking. Um, I'll say less. I, well, shorter, shorter. I think shorter terms, maybe. Um, why? Why do you think he would get less than Jacob Ellsbury? Because there's a very similar. At that point, at this point, there's sort of a very similar trajectory for their careers, right? Yeah, there's. I mean, both had. There. Both had very good years last year. Hanley's was much, much better, but you know they both had very good years last year. And before that, both had been badly hurt in you know two previous seasons, two yeah. of the previous three, and uh, poor. I feel like, like Ellsbury's injuries are—they seem like they would be less worrisome going forward, kind of like they were more, more freakish accident sort of things, um, uh-huh. you know, like a collision. And maybe, maybe he didn't come back very quickly from it. Maybe that tells you something about his healing powers. But um, I don't know the the shoulder issues that Hanley had seem more more worrisome, more more threatening than what happened to Ellsbury. And and his most recent injury is more recent than Ellsbury's. Um, and I don't know, just maybe concerned that he would have to move off the position earlier than Ellsbury would. Um, he had a he had 336 plate appearances last year and finished eighth in MVP voting. I know it was a crazy year. So let me ask you this: This is the comment for for Hanley Ramirez in the BP annual this year. This is the final the final sentence of it. He's been hurt in two of the past three seasons and mediocre in two of the past three seasons, and it's not a stretch to say that he'll double his next contract by being neither in 2014. Mm-hmm. If he's healthy and very good this year. Does he get 160 million? And if he's either hurt or mediocre, well, let's say 150. And if he's hurt or either mediocre, does he get 75 or less? Uh, I think he definitely gets 150 if he's if he's healthy and on the free agent market. Um, 
just, I mean, there's just so few players like that who are going to be free agents. Um, and if he is not healthy uh, or he doesn't play well, then uh, yeah, I guess I guess he would get less. Maybe he'd maybe he'd settle for a shorter deal, higher in higher average value or something like that. Mm, top comp by Pakoda's uh, reckoning, Nomar Garcia Para. Uh oh. Yeah, not good. But then you get down to you know. Cano, David Wright, Derek Jeter, uh, mm. Chipper Jones, mm-hmm. all of the yeah. So there's I don't know, the Chase Utley, uh, mm. Ernie Banks. Uh, yeah, okay. So mm. so what do you think he'll do, good or bad? Uh, I think he'll I think he'll be good, very good. Uh, not not like he was last year, but healthier than last year. And if I hadn't told you his age at the mm. beginning of this, what would you have guessed his age was? <laughs> I, I think I knew just because I come across it and I'm surprised every time. So I actually kind of kind of remember now. Yeah. Um, it is sort of surprising. I don't know whether it's because of just how early he arrived or because of his, his build or what. But uh, it, is, it is kind of hard to believe that he is only 30 and recently turned 30, too. Mm. Uh, so that was about six minutes. Okay. Um, people should go and check out at, at BP uh, on the blog side, free for non-subscribers. A, uh, an effectively wild listener named Jeffrey Friedman wrote up the results of the team preview predictions for each podcast. A lot of, a lot of you left notes in the Facebook group or emailed us to say that it seemed like a lot of our guests were picking high win totals for their teams uh, and Jeffrey sort of tracked all of those predictions and ran the numbers and and uh, tried to quantify and and explain the bias in those predictions. So it's pretty cool post. Uh, we put it up on the site. It's also linked to in the Facebook group, facebook.com slash groups slash effectively wild. Um, so go check that out. Uh, also, some other good stuff. Oh, uh, Harry wrote something about framing projections for the first time we have catcher framing projections, both for players and teams this year. Um, would you care to guess which team has the highest and lowest uh, framing projection based on the, the depth charts playing time? Um, I would guess that the highest would be, well, uh, the, I mean, the obvious answer for the highest would be the Rays. And if it's not the Rays, then the Brewers. Yes. That's, there's one and two and almost, almost tied. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And then the lowest, I, uh, I can't, Domit's not, is Domit on the depth chart? He is, and right, there is some question about whether he would actually catch this year. We do have him on the depth chatter. Apparently, he has been catching some this spring, so maybe he'd get some time. Um, but Gatt- Gattis, I looked at Gattis the other day, and, and he's around average. I don't know if yeah. that's what he projects to, but he's around average. So I don't know if Domitz does enough damage. Is, is it not the Braves? It is not the Braves. All right, so I would guess that it will be the uh, Rangers. It is the Rockies. Oh, yeah. Okay. Well, oh, Rosario yeah. and sure. Michael McHenry and Jordan yeah. Chico and all those people. So uh, so you can go check that out. That's pretty cool. Um, and, uh, oh, uh, Marlins, Marlins cleanup hitters. 
Do you think that this represents progress? Last year's opening day Marlins cleanup hitter, as you probably recall, was Placido Polanco. Yeah. And mm-hmm. this year's is Jeff Baker. Where's Yelich batting? I think he's leading off. Mm, okay. Uh, Jeff Baker is better than Placido Polanco. Yes. I don't know. I don't know that he's better in a. I, I don't know that he's better than Greg Dobbs. <laughs> uh, well, it is Jeff Baker against a lefty, uh, Jorge yeah. De La Rosa, and Baker's actually a pretty good hitter against against lefties. So there's. Do that. you have the? Do you have? You don't have like their whole lineup in front of you or anything now. Uh, I might have it open in a tab. Um, uh, Baker's career line versus lefties is actually really good. 298, 353, 522 in uh, over 800 plate appearances. Yeah, so, Baker was bad. basically like uh, Baker was basically like, you know, Jason Worth in half the time last year. So, mm-hmm. sure. I mean, that's considerably better than Polanco. Polanco <laughs> uh, Polanco, I don't know. I mean, le- legitimately, I'm not sure that there are, are 10 teams in baseball last year that would have batted Polanco eighth. <laughs> yeah, that's possible. <laughs> um, I don't have the whole lineup here. Um, okay, and then uh, my last bit of banter before we wrap this up. Um, there were two articles I read. Uh, you know how there are always these articles about how how teams are trying to get an edge, whatever new thing they're doing this year um, to try to try to exploit some inefficiency or, you know, whatever it is. Um, so there is one I saw about the Pirates and one I saw about the Phillies. Um, and the Phillies one is, uh, it's kind of about, you know, how they're embracing numbers and everything now. But it's like, it's uh, the example given of of their embrace of analysis now is basically that they looked at... Um, uh, they looked at Roberto Hernandez's home run per fly ball rate and saw that it was high, and oh. they, they expect it to regress. So basically, what what <laughs> half of the people in your fantasy league are doing, they are doing. So I don't know. And, and, and that's even one of the slightly less. I mean, to me, that's basically like going with xFIP instead of FIP, which is basically, you could yeah. be wrong. Like that that might actually be wrong. Yeah. Like that's not settled. <laughs> Right. It's not I mean, settled yet. Hernandez's was like one of the highest on record, so you know, yeah. probably probably true, but nothing that, you know, everyone in your fantasy league wasn't doing four years ago. And I don't know whether I'm not trying to pick on the Phillies because I don't know, like I've I've met Scott Friedman, their new stat guy, and he seems very smart and good and this could just yeah. be, you know, a, a case where you're not gonna tell the newspaper what interesting thing you're actually doing. So you just kind of throw an example out and this is an example. Um, but I feel like maybe they should just <laughs> have a, a moratorium on examples for a while. So, yeah. So in 2012, the year before uh, Polanco, you know, batted cleanup, uh, he was the 14th worst hitter in baseball by OPS plus. Uh-huh. If you, if you set the minimum plate appearances at what he is. Mm-hmm. So the four, the 14th worst hitter, like in the whole, in the whole world, uh-huh. uh, he was um, like uh, twenty six was Darwin Barney. So imagine mm. Darwin Barney batting cleanup for the mm-hmm. Marlins, and so it's a little worse than that. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty bad. I was moved to write about it <laughs> when that he's, happened. He's, yeah, he's right there between Alexi Casilla and Jam- Jamal Weeks. 
Mm. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then the, uh, well, and apparently um, Echevarria is batting second. Oh. So, so that's not good either. <laughs> that's very good, though, if you're... If you put your money behind Echevarria as being the new Unieski Betancourt, yes, and producing true. negative negative wins every year for six years in a row, very that's, good news. That's true. Uh, and then the other thing I was going to talk about the Pirates example. Um, this was from a, a Travis Sachik uh, article about how velocity seems to be increasing, and there's a. Quote at the end, you know, under general manager Neil Huntington, the Pirates made targeting and acquiring velocity a key part of their strategy, uh, adding pitchers such as A.J. Burnett and Francisco Liriano and placing a premium on velocity in the draft, et cetera, et cetera, which to me is something that every team does and has been doing for decades, except for okay. possibly the Twins. Um, okay. So I don't know. just feels like a, an attempt to make more of a, any little snippet that they will divulge about what their strategy is. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, okay. So that's enough. Um, enjoy opening day. Please support our sponsor, Baseball Reference. Go to baseballreference.com, subscribe to the Play Index, use the coupon code BP to get the discounted price of $30 for a one-year subscription. And uh, we'll be back tomorrow. Oh, and we are we are reverting to the regular season, effectively wild schedule. So we'll be doing email shows midweek now on Wednesday. So please do get your emails in early in the week at podcast at baseballperspectus.com.